Hello. On behalf of the Independent Research Forum, welcome to this IRF podcast. I am David Osman. With me today is Ron William of RW Advisory. Our subject for this podcast, for global financial markets in 2023 and beyond. IRF promotes a broad range of the world's top quality independent research and data providers, both macro and micro. All are investment related, many are global, some are country specific, some sector specific, and some are stock pickers. Arguably, 2023 has held few major surprises so far. The COVID pandemic seems to be less of a threat. Russia's abominable war in Ukraine continues. China and the USA are reducing their economic interdependence and global supply chains continue to adjust to a harsher geopolitical environment. World economic growth remains sluggish, while inflation in many countries is staying stubbornly above target levels, and most central banks feel the need to maintain or tighten a restrictive monetary policy stance. In the UK, the economic and business problems caused by Brexit continue to reverberate. How have the global financial markets responded to these and other developments in the first half of 2023? Advances in artificial intelligence, both real and imagined, have taken the financial markets by storm. But this reaction may be too much too soon. The global climate change debate remains hot and bothered, but ESG investment trends continue to be underpinned by the growing consumer demand for green and clean ethical investments. To review the key trends in the financial markets in the first half of this year, and to reassess the outlook for the next 12 months, I'm very pleased that once again, we have with us today, Ron William of RW Advisory. Ron William is a market strategist with over 20 years of experience, working for leading economic research and institutional firms, producing macro research and trading strategies. He specializes in blended, top-down, semi-discretionary analysis driven by cycles and by his proprietary timing models, which use both quantitative and qualitative techniques. Ron is also a behavioral finance expert, trading psychologist and performance coach. He uses the latest techniques in behavioral risk assessment modeling peak performance, neurobody science, and stress response management, including mindfulness and coherence training, supported by his market strategies. Ron, welcome back. Let's start with a brief introduction to the service that RW Advisory provides to your clients. Well, happy summer greetings and good to be back on IRF after a very interesting year-to-date uh, look-back period. RWA, in terms of what we do and our approach, uh, essentially we're research advisory uh, with the approach of a global macro semi-discretionary framework anchored in behavioral tactical analysis. And that really does set us apart from any other uh, influential thinkers out there, driven by cycles and proprietary market timing overlays using a blend of qualitative and quantitative models. Now, our edge is offering differentiated alpha capture strategy, often with insight, insightful idea generation overlays uh, with the behavioral component, as mentioned, um, often non-consensus 
grounded by a resilient cross-asset model portfolio. Now, in terms of the actual offering itself, it's thematic and tactical reports, trade alerts and portfolio review with uh, the optionality of education, training, mentoring, and coaching. RWA typically work with hedge funds, wealth and asset managers, as well as professional investors. If we turn first to the currency markets, would it be fair to say that the US dollar's trade-weighted index, DXY, currently trading around the 101.5 level, has not been as strong this year as some people initially anticipated, in part because the global macro headwinds have not been large enough to fuel renewed safe haven inflows into the US dollar? If so, is this something that could emerge within the next 12 months? Meanwhile, sterling and the euro have been stronger than expected versus the US dollar, perhaps because entrenched inflation in the UK and the EU has led the Bank of England and the ECB to raise nominal interest rates by more than was initially expected. How do you see the outlook for the pound and the euro? By comparison, this year the Japanese yen and the Chinese yuan have been weaker against the US dollar than many expected. Is this due to relative monetary policy factors? And if so, where do these two major Asian currencies go from here? Well, from a chart perspective, David, I mean, 2022 was the year of the dollar. Uh, RWA published a thematic report headlined US dollar king of rock and roll. We certainly had the rock up plus 20% on historical threshold measures becoming overbought in price and sentiment measures, and then ultimately leading to the correctly predicted peak to trough drawdown, which prevailed uh, of 12%. Year to date, the dollar index has been range bound, as as many will know. But technically, uh, we are now verging on a key breakdown zone between 101 and 100, the psychological randophobia level, uh, that would confirm the top major top pattern uh, in the dollar based on DXY, and ultimately unlock further weakness into price target 98 with overshoot risk into 95. Now, for people who want to think about that in percentage terms, that would be an additional 6 to 7% down in addition to the 12% that we already saw from last year of 2022. So further weakness ahead based on the the technical chart pattern, uh, which of course gives us an idea of, of how some of those macro themes may prevail. And from a behavioral perspective, this would likely neutralize the typical US dollar smile that you're alluding to of renewed safe haven flows during periods of volatility or uncertainty, which we do expect according to our framework and model. However, this time is likely different, weighed by the growth slowdown, normalization of rate hikes, and slow but notable de-dollarization trends. So something to keep in mind, at least for, for the medium to long term, which is starting to take place slowly but steadily. Now, if we actually break that down in terms of what the dollar index means across the major currencies, you mentioned the key ones there, euro, pound, and of course, on the Asia side, Japan and China. So if I just break those down one by one, euro, interestingly, has uh, behaved in in a very range bound, uh, low volatility range, the lowest since inception. So it hasn't done much year to date, but there is upside risk soon that if we break above the one uh, the peak at 110.96 for a rise 
into 114.20. So euro outperformance of the dollar, ultimately fueled by dollar weakness, but also uh, a differential between those two rates. Interestingly, the pound is looking divergent. So although it should continue to be supported by uh, US dollar weakness, it may actually uh, diverge, having already been the best performer in 2023, fueled by positive macro surprises, as you mentioned, Bank of England uh, hikes higher than than expected, um, and also the neutralizing of previous twin risks in 2022. If we recall back the energy shock that uh, past and the somewhat improved current account deficits, at least from prior levels. These are things that have offered some tailwind uh, for, for the best performing year to date uh, returns that we saw in the pound. However, it has likely moved too much too soon. And technically, it is uh, shaping what we call a wedge pattern nearing the apex, which ultimately leads to a sharp drop a mean reversion into the long-term 200-day moving average around 122. Now, last time we spoke, this was in line with perspectives in terms of further pound weakness over the medium to long term. The surprise factors was the upside that happened since. But if we do get this potential mean reversion risk, that would be back in line with our long-term cycle, signaling a bottoming out process into 2024 for the pound. With respect to the Asian currencies? Yes. Uh, so uh, yen, major bottom in place, but something to uh, wait for further confirmation in terms of price, but also on the macro side, a potential BOJ policy. Looking at dollar yen specifically, as we speak, the year-to-date trend is breaking down. I was literally looking at the screen just ahead of our podcast discussion now, and it suggests a mean reversion move into the long-term 200-day moving average at 137. So that is a likely risk happening now, with a, a risk into 130. Now, another way of playing this is by looking at Swiss franc versus yen and maybe other cross rates that might be more attractive from a risk-reward perspective, but certainly yen, uh, a bottom in in yen, uh, and different proxies to play that. Looking at China, that trend is also reversing, but still early stages. So uh, US dollar versus China yuan uh, targeting the old psychological level at seven. I was bearish on this last time we spoke, continue to be, but of course, we've had that relief rally since, and we look like we're uh, resuming the top formations that were formed last year. With respect to the main government bond markets, the yield on the US 10-year Treasury note is currently around 4.0%. And as such, it is below the 2022 peak of 4.25% that was reached last October. Does this indicate that the peak for this inflationary cycle could be some way below a 5% yield in the USA? In contrast, The UK 10-year gilt yield is currently around 4.6% and as such is now above the 2022 peak levels, which were close to 4.5% seen last October when Liz Truss was briefly the British Prime Minister. Does this suggest that the Bank of England has allowed the UK inflation problem to become more entrenched? Is the central bank now in danger of overreacting by continuing to raise interest rates given how much monetary tightening is still working its way through the UK economy. Given the apparent lack of confidence in both the government and the Bank of England, 
do you see the 10-year gilt yield rising above 5% in the next 12 months? It's been difficult to call in terms of the actual directionality, short-term directionality uh, on rates globally and specifically in, in each of the regional proxies just cited. From a cycle perspective and certainly in terms of what we've seen on the charts, there will continue to be a structural rise on interest rates, negative bond prices a rise on, on rates after the reversal of a 40-year bear trend on US 10-year yields as a case in point. This is the mark of a new Kondratiev wave, one of the key cycles that we watch both for rates, for general societal impact, and even policy measures. What it suggests here and now is an ongoing regime of a high-low watermark of 5 to 3%. And essentially, that's what we've been doing all this time. But of course, the difficulty has been directionality because we've had this ebb and flow. Ultimately, it will be a long-term sentiment adjustment. From a behavioral perspective, we tend to look into the rearview mirror and expect the linear trends of the past. But the reality is we're experiencing something new uh, on a generational level that will take time to adjust to, particularly uh, if in this case that change is a transitory rolling inflation volatility. So it's less about a number or a direction, but just an elevation in volatility. And that's what we've seen if we look at cross-asset volatility. It's been mostly in the bond market. If we look at the uh, move index, the, the FX, of course, less so in equities. And that will continue likely into year-end uh, 2023 and more so 2024, where we think there's more risk. Now, the long-term structural trend, just to remind, according to our work, is still underpinned by macro changes in at least three key areas, labor, resources, and demographics. These things will not change anytime soon and will continue to apply upside pressure. But, of course, just to remind that ebb and flow that will happen along the way. Now, if we look at each of the uh, government benchmark uh, rates that you mentioned, looking at the US 10-year yield, we're looking like we will uh, potentially break above the 2022 peak uh, at 434% into 5% and higher. We could easily have an overshoot risk. And of course, that doesn't have to happen right here and now, but that can take place into the new year of 2024. It's interesting if you look at these sentiment measures, uh, particularly looking at, I believe, JP Morgan client surveys, which is showing a 10-year extreme and a potential contrarian signal, thereby also uh, showing uh, that the market could be on the wrong side of this extended rise. We could be looking the other way and have a negative surprise in the opposite direction. Looking at UK 10-year gilts, to your point about if it's the same or, or, if, or if there are differences... In the short term, there seems to be a divergence where the October 2022 peak that we're currently testing could hold with a short-term risk back into 3.6%. So that'll be interesting to see how that pans out in terms of BOE policy. But as we were just discussing earlier on, this could be a plateau effect. So it could just be sideways before we continue as part of that global structural rise in interest rates, including in UK. But of course, there will be leads and lags. Turning to the major stock markets, starting with Wall Street, so far this year, the US S&P 500 index has performed much better than many market participants initially expected. It has risen from around the 3,800 level at the start of the year to around 4,400 currently, 
And in doing so, it has moved above the 200-day moving average, which is now close to the 4,000 level. However, the leadership of the market has been very narrow, with a few mega tech stocks charging ever higher. Should the performance of Wall Street in the first half of this year be seen as a strong rally in a bear market, or is the uptrend proving to be bold enough to surpass the previous all-time high, a little below the 4,800 level that was touched in late 2021, which would require a gain of nearly 10% from current levels? How do you see the US stock market performing in the second half of this year and beyond? Well, to begin, full disclaimer, this did surpass our expectations in terms of upside trajectory on equity markets in general, and particularly in the US and tech for that matter, because of course, tech did suffer many headwinds in the year that passed and rose from the ashes year to date to to outperform. Looking at the S&P 500 right here and now, although we've had a very strong upsurge from the October low, according to our work, it remains a bear market rally. And I know that will come against some pushback with many out there that are looking at at this as a new bull cycle. Quick guidance and due diligence to to, to share with, with listeners that a bull cycle or bear cycle is not defined by an absolute price measure. So this headline measure of 20% up or down as being the key threshold level, it doesn't stand by itself. We need to look at price as part of a contextual pattern, which is all the whole behavioral framework of reading charts and understanding how investor and traders sentiment drives it. But also we need to be looking at this from a relative perspective. So if we look at the chart, both in terms of behavioral and relative performance, the S&P 500, yes, has been strong more than 20% from the October low, but it is back at a key structural level near the interim lows of the peak of uh, 2021. So the simple point I'm trying to make is we're at this make or break level, exactly at what 4,400 where we are now to 4,360. If we fail back under that zone, then it will confirm the mean reversion risk ahead. We're certainly seeing this in terms of uh, price, momentum, uh, overbought conditions. Yes, markets can remain far more irrational, overbought than we can uh, stay solvent, but we should still pay attention when we uh, reach these overstretched elastic band conditions, particularly when we start to get further, as you mentioned, divergences in terms of sector rotation and, and leadership, even if it has been via a strong powerhouse moves in, in tech. Price momentum is also uh, turning and, and various other indicators. So we still have to wait for price to confirm, but, but something to, to keep in mind, at least here and now. And all of this is happening into the negative seasonality window of Q3. We just published a report recently called Warning, the Perils of Painting the Tape. The divergences that we're seeing in the market right now is as great as Y2K, TMT, and 2008 GFC. So if we want to have a historical context of how much of an anomaly we're in right now. And one interesting analogy is 1973, where the Dow Jones index rallied sharply from August to October as breadth measures went sideways, only to be followed by a 40% drop in 12 months. So uh, history can rhyme, doesn't have to repeat, uh, and it pays to actually uh, keep that uh, analog in mind. 
And our cycle model right here now is also suggesting uh, asymmetric risk going into year-end and uh, early 2024. Looking closer to home, this year, the UK FTSE 100 index has traded between a high very close to the 8,000 level in February and lows close to 7,300 in March and again in July. Following a spring rally, it has fallen back down from around the 7,900 level to about 7,350 at present. And as such, it is comfortably within the 7,000 to 7,700 trading range that has been established for most of the last three years. Where do you see the FTSE 100 index going in the next year or so? Well, FTSE 100 and UK equities in general uh, have been diverging lower. And I mean, for for the various forces that you've described and future ones to come, I mean, right now, we're still within a a big range bound activity, teetering near the 200 day moving average. But we're also verging again on a key make or break level of the prior trough low. If we were to break that, then that does suggest further downside for the FTSE 100. And in terms of potential correlated forces as to why we've been down already and may continue to, I mean, partly it's looking at the uh, components of the FTSE 100, mostly being A, international and B, resource plays. We've seen some pressure across both. Some say potentially because of the uh, muted China reopening and how that hasn't really uh, supported commodity markets and also perhaps some of the risks with financials, which is also priced into the FTSE 100. So there have been ongoing and compounding um, headwinds for the FTSE 100, and we're seeing that reflected in uh, the price chart and ultimately the behavioral pattern, which continues to be bearish. Interesting to look at the FTSE 250, uh, which is maybe uh, more of a, uh, a more resilient trend for now. From a global perspective, one of the best performing stock markets this year it's been the Japanese stock market. Do you expect this strong performance to continue? And which other stock markets look interesting to you? Well, Japan remains attractive on many levels. It's been driven by bottom line performance, favorable valuations, and structural tailwind. But here and now, of course, it, it is looking overbought after a very strong upsurge. So just to remind listeners, Japan, Nikkei, and Topex it has been up 30% year to date. I'll say that one more time, 30% year to date. That is a doubling of the USA market if we look at the S&P 500. And it's only 15% from its 1989 all-time peak. More veteran listeners will remember that moment in time. But now is overbought after an impulsive rise of 10 consecutive up weeks. So expect a a potential correction into uh, 30,000 on the Nikkei 225 or 28,000. We're making recommendations to clients that uh, for this to be a buy on the dip opportunity and a reminder for some of the structural tailwinds, cheap yen. Yes, we're at 30 plus year extremes and that will likely uh, bottom at some point in time. But the market will still, the equity market will uh, remain strong uh, regardless, uh, according to our work. So cheap yen, at least the the tailwind that has passed, improved corporate governance, which has has been an ongoing story and has allowed shareholder uh, incentives such as soaring buybacks and dividends. According to money flow, uh, foreign 
inflows at five-year highs. By looking at many of the Japan ETFs, I'm quoting right now BlackRock EWJ. So it suggests an overheat, a heating situation or FOMO situation, fear of missing out in the short term, but plenty of potential to buy in the structural trend ahead. Having said all of that, there are some pushbacks, and then I've received this from speaking with some clients recently, in terms of BOJ policy uncertainty and the generational overhang of this secular bear trend. I think it's all part of the transition that we're seeing potentially for investors realigning with Japan after such a long time, and of course with some of the uh, near-term risks. But if we just look at it on an absolute and relative basis, it is something more of an upside surprise that will likely continue into the new year. In addition to Japan, and of course, as part of a diversification play outside of the US, looking at the rest of the world, South Korea also looks interesting. And some other Asian markets are, are also looking still strong with upside potential ahead. Turning to the commodity markets, which commodities look most attractive from your point of view? Yes, so commodities has been the negative surprise this year. It is still part of a structural uptrend potential, particularly if you're looking at uh, ratios of equities versus commodities. It's, it's looking very overstretched, and we're likely to get a rotation between the two, especially as inflationary structural inflationary trends continue higher, which is naturally going to uh, support commodity prices. But here and now, the drawdown in commodities broad-based, if it continues will be the biggest consecutive drawdown in a very long time. So that, I mean, is clearly negative here and now, but suggests a potential oversold condition and contrarian signal ahead. I think looking across the complex that what will likely snap back the most could be oil. That's actually looking quite interesting right now, both in terms of price and time measures, as well as the agricultural markets. We're already seeing some of the soft commodities starting to push higher. And then separate to that, of course, precious metals for different reasons. So potential absolute price gains, if we look at gold and silver, gold in particular, as it finds support and potentially retest the glass ceiling at 2000. My inflation adjusted target there is 2008. And I do believe that we will likely rise higher, both in absolute and relative terms in the period ahead. The, the one question mark is industrial metals, and, and we continue to watch that. Copper remains weak, but it's, it's likely to, to stay so in the coming period ahead. Ron, many thanks for this very informative insight into the RW Advisory Service. If we had more time, it would be interesting to discuss in greater detail your short-term tactical analysis and your present trading recommendations. It would also be interesting to learn more about your thoughts on some of the other developed and emerging markets. The Independent Research Forum is offering a brief trial to the RW Advisory Service and can provide details of how to subscribe to their full service. More information is available from the Independent Research Forum on request. Thank you for listening to this IRF podcast with Rob William of RW Advisory.